The universe does not exist out there, independent of us. We are inescapably involved in bringing about that which appears to be happening. We are not only observers, we are participators. In some strange sense, this is a participatory universe. Physics is no longer satisfied with insights only into particles, fields of force, into geometry, or even into time and space. Today we demand of physics some understanding of existence itself. It seems that science will never be able to raise the curtain on the mystery of existence, but for those who stand outside the enchanted circle, unanswered questions about the past, present, and future of the universe remain a source of wonder and the joyous contemplation of a mystery beyond our grasp. Mind and intelligence are woven into the fabric of our universe in a way that altogether surpasses our understanding. Freeman Dyson Welcome to the Lost Traveler podcast. I am your ever-loving host, Henry Cameron Allen. And today I have a special guest who we are just meeting for the first time and you get to listen in. His name is Arsalan Al-Hashimi and he is uh, living in Dubai. He is a high performance coach for athletes and business people, corporate CEOs and all the, the top echelon of, of humanity. Um, but really, the, the sense I get about you, Arsalan, is 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 that what you're doing, you're you're a joy bringer. You, you really sort of uh, spelunk the depths of the human soul, and kicking and screaming sometimes pull the joy out of a person. And I'm so excited to get into it with you. You've also been a professional athlete. You've been uh, you've worked for government and and we'll get into all that backstory. But anyway, I just wanted to say how grateful I am that you're here and that we get to connect in this way. Thank you. Um, you are actually the first person to make a match with me on on that whatever that was match pod, pod match that, <laughs> my, what that my yeah, pod match that my business coach uh shout out to fabi she she basically told me listen your uh your way to bring your voice into the world is podcasts i love podcasts i've been telling you i i just told you i am uh i'm very passionate about the medium been passionate about it since before it was even called podcasts uh, when it was all rss feeds and stuff and um yeah um and and thank you for that introduction actually you know a lot of people um when they hear what i do are kind of led to think what you initially probably thought which is um this is somebody that uh you know wants to work with the kind of one percent uh one percent kind of people on top of the echelon but in reality um when i started wanting to do this uh full-time um uh, and, and I come from a brand strategy perspective, my background. Um, I'm a, I have a Bachelor of Fine Arts. I'm a designer. Um, but I kind of, uh, I'm, we'll, maybe we'll touch on that later on, but kind of life took me towards working um, in government. And so when I was working in government, a lot of my work was based on strategy and uh, 
and marketing and marcoms and branding and stuff like that. So I'm very passionate about that. And um, when I decided to kind of position myself uh, as a coach, uh, the first thing I asked myself is, number one, who would I like to work with? And number two, who would I be relatable to? Um, And just because from a marketing perspective, you kind of need to niche yourself down to be able to, to market yourself. And um, everything you said is correct. I was a professional um, athlete from the age of about 12 or 13. Um, I played squash. I was one of the top players in the region. Um, and then I kind of went to school in the States. Um, and then I came back. And um, uh, circumstances with family kind of guided me towards um, working in the government. Basically, my I'm the youngest male and my dad and my brother lost their jobs almost like within three months of each other um, in a kind of detrimental way, which meant very quickly we realized that they're not going to be able to get a job anytime soon. So all the kind of fingers pointed at me and they're like, uh, Mr. Breadwinner, it's you now. I was just... 20 years old, you know, I was a, I was, I was a hippie out of art school. <laughs> you know, I didn't, I, I, all my, all my dreams constituted of like, you know, creating art and, uh, and, and living life, uh, kind of in, in flow, you know? And, um, and so I started my career in the government, uh, started in aviation and airports world, um, in ground handling and for anybody that doesn't know what ground handling is it's like the the lowest denominator in an airport you're literally the person that's 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 sweating it out slugging it out and stuff on the ground and when you're talking about an airport in Abu Dhabi um, in the United Arab Emirates which is gets on the tarmac gets up to 65 degrees 70 degrees Celsius in summers uh, these guys, you know, they're, 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 they're hardworking people. Um, so I started my career in the government there, um, on the ground and very quickly within six or seven years, I was already, um, on the privatization team in the government that privatized, uh, the airport from government to a private entity. Um, and then I was in senior leadership positions, um, in the airport and in the corporate called Abu Dhabi airports company. And then very quickly, I moved to the Department of Transport, which is the regulator. And I was a senior advisor there to the chairman and the senior leadership. Um, and that was by the age of 29, 28, 29. So it was a crazy ride. Um, I, sometimes I, now I'm 45, I look back at that and I'm like, that that went, that went, that went across as like a blink a blink of an eye yet at the same time when i sit and i remember all the all the all these things i went through um that kind of led me to do what i'm doing right now um was was crazy uh, at at an early age um so uh the reason i'm saying all of this is because like afterwards i kind of couldn't work for the government anymore because of certain regulations that came through and started working for corporate and i ran a multinational uh film production company uh the number number one corporate film production company in the world actually out of the uk called uh the edge picture company Mm -hmm. i ran i opened their business in abu dhabi and kind of ran their business in the region um 
And then my wife finished her PhD in California and she came back and was like, uh, you look a little stressed out. Why don't you take a break? So um, <clears throat> I took a break um, or had the intention to take a break. And instead of, um, instead of uh, taking a break as in not do anything, I decided to start competing in triathlons and Ironman. Yeah. And at the after about four or five years of exclusively doing that, I kind of uh, got diagnosed with some of the worst burnout um, uh, symptoms like adrenal fatigue, stage three, um, and then all the symptoms that come out of that, um, mental health issues and, and physical issues. And, um, and that's what kind of spurred, started my journey into discovering myself and the... Uh, unbelievable human capability to heal um itself um and uh, just empowering myself with that with that knowledge and that belief system um because knowledge alone is not enough you you gotta you gotta believe that knowledge That's right. and so when i coming full circle to why i started this when i when i sat down to think who am i gonna work with and who's gonna relate to me i had to kind of uh draw this image of the person I would enjoy working with and them be able to relate to me. And that was absolutely people that are performing at high levels. And that's for two reasons. The first reason is, uh, as I said, I can relate to them, they can relate to me. And I enjoy working with that kind of profile because they are go-getters. They they will work hard. Imagine. Yeah, they, yeah, they will work hard on themselves. And, and maybe I can channel into that competitiveness and yeah. kind of make them kind of compete with themselves, right? Yeah. The other aspect of it is that because I was in the government working for some huge decision makers, um, I realized that a lot of um, dissemination comes top down. And so, as you said, I am at the, at the core of what I'm doing. I just want to spread more joy in this world. Um, and that was kind of my initial spark of doing what I was doing. And I decided that if I'm able to convince the decision makers and leaders and people with a message to believe in, in what I have come to believe in, that I would be able to affect as much change as quickly as possible through that method. Um, so on the surface, I look like this person that just wants to work uh, with 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 uh, with the top one percent, but in reality, what I'm trying to do is a lot deeper than that and a lot bigger than that. Yeah, it's just I get, I get that about you, and I and the interviews that I've heard you conduct have really expressed that. Uh, I, I'm like you; I'm a global citizen. I feel like you know the day that passport comes out, I'm with you first in line. <laughs> um I, I feel that there's that there is um a lot of of what you're describing in the world right now all over the world i don't think there's a shadow where where it's not happening where people are stressed out and fatigued and on edge and lost um, that's why this podcast is called The Lost Traveler, because we are all lost travelers in one way or another. And we are all here sort of finding one another, these voices, 
who are either in the coaching world or the mentoring world or the, you know, the helpers, the people who feel a compulsion to be a helper in this time. Um, and having these conversations that other people can maybe be inspired by. And one thing I say all the time is that I can share my tools freely. I've worked hard for them. I've worked hard on them. But nobody can use my tools the way that I can. But what you have the capacity to do is to synthesize the tools that I'm sharing with the ones that you already have and that have already created and, and to develop new tools that are unique to your experience and your path, your journey. Um, and, and so far, I think it's, it's, it's a good message for our time. And I'm, I, like I said, I'm, I'm just sitting in gratitude that so many people are stepping up and having this conversation with me because I think it can help a lot of people. What, how do you define joy? Let's start with that. Were you a joyful kid? I was a very joyful kid. <laughs> I was a very joyful kid. I, I was really, really blessed. I grew up, um, well, I mean, I don't know how you look at it, but when we grew up here uh, in Abu Dhabi, um, the United Arab Emirates, and you know, people know it as Dubai uh, most of the time, yeah, yeah. but... Dubai is just a city in the United Arab Emirates and Abu Dhabi is actually the capital where I grew up. And when we grew up, it was just a big, powerful village, really. It was a village with a lot of like oil and gas money. And um, Abu Dhabi is very unique in its um, the fact that it owns uh, almost pff, over 90% of the land in the UAE um, and also an equivalent amount of the oil and gas. So they, they at that time, the only business there that was really running was oil and gas and then all the supporting little businesses that supported that community. Mm. And so my dad was in gas, was in oil and gas, and uh, we were called compound kids, which basically meant that we grew up in compounds that were kind of gridlocked. We actually yeah. had a wall around us. Uh, but within the compound, we had everything. So we had, and and we were blessed because we were the nicest compound. So we were on the beach. Um, and, you know, the beaches in those days before they drudged them and, 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 and killed the natural habitat <laughs> that it was, uh, were so beautiful. Like when I close my eyes, basically, and I want to be in a good place, I just remember what it was like there. Because if you can imagine, it was like, white sand and palm trees everywhere and the white sand was so powdery and beautiful but then right in front of us because it's an archipelago right in front of us there are at least 150 islands so when we were kids all we do is we'll take our boards and go from island to island and we'd go spearfishing and catch fish and and just the stuff that you know was uh, was so amazing Yet at the same time, it was very isolated because, you know, we didn't have much to do outside of that. And let's go to other compounds and like right. go mess shit up and start fights with people and come back and like territorial stupid stuff that we used to do. And right. and uh, and it, it was just a, a great way to grow up because within the compound, um, if you can imagine, there was a building and each floor had two two flats, two apartments 
so we were a total of 20 apartments and we were all brothers and sisters. It was like communal kind of upbringing. So there was a lot of joy, a lot of joy and a lot of happiness and a lot of uh, camaraderie. And we all played sports together and we just kind of grew up within within that kind of commune, if you want to yeah. call it that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so we were like a little, little small village within a village and everybody knew everybody, even outside of the compound. So it was a very, very special way to, to be brought up um, and very uh, protected. Let's call it that way. And then I discovered what life is when I left to the States when I was 16. I'm like, holy crap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had the same experience. <laughs> yeah. where, where did you grow up? Um, well, our first, my dad's first post was in Vienna, and then we were in uh, Moscow um, during the Cold War, which was a very interesting time for Americans to be there. Um, and then we went to uh, Brazil, well, Peru and Brazil. Uh, Brazil, I was there, for me, that was probably age nine or ten I was there seven years and wow. left my, my, my second year in high school um, and then Cuba after that. And of course, all my friends were from everywhere in the world. And we were like a little commune. I, I can I can really relate. And of course, in our time, I'm 57. I'm a little older than you, but but we didn't grow up with the Internet. We were out in nature. We were out. Yep playing with the yeah. world around us as if it were you know in our protected environment we had a lot of freedom um got into some trouble and you know all the things you're describing and what's interesting is that now even though i've had friends you know and i've had a, a lifetime of ups and downs and and you know crazy things happening in my journey um I've stayed in touch and reconnected through the internet with people that I hadn't seen in 40 years. And it's like, no time has passed. We still have a playful quality to our dynamic. Um, thank goodness for WhatsApp because you can have these wonderful chats as a group. And then with Zoom, we you know have these little mini reunions. We get to look at each other and and, continue that dynamic and it does feel like you say like brothers and sisters it really really does greetings 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 i'm queen b divine the cure is conversation and where can you find me at bluntreflections.com where i will be talking to guests from around the world that not only share their time but their insights and their tips on how they became the best version of who they were meant to be so if you're looking for a great story and a great time check me out at bluntreflections.com the curious conversation and remember blase blase means to tell your story <laughs> was your environment um i know the, the west has a a sometimes very skewed perception of the arab world and I want to break that stigma. I want to help in any way I can because I know better. Um, did you grow up in a conservative environment or was it, you know, were your parents uh, and your family a little more open to global influences? 
I mean, look, my my parents uh, were kind of political asylums that came from uh, Aden um, in Yemen, which is uh, in English Aden. And um, at that time, Aden was like the 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 pearl of the region. It was it was extremely developed. Um, it, uh, Aden was kind of captured and ruled by the British for over five hundred years. So, um, it yeah, it was. It, I mean, it, it's it's it was and it still is one of the most prestigious locations in the world. So after, um, I don't know if you know this history, but the the British. Uh, Empire um, had a had a company called the British Tobacco and Something Company, mm. and they basically were the people that were sent to Asia to kind of rule um, on on behalf. And their stronghold was India um, or Mumbai at that time, um, and their second strongest hold was Aden, um, because Aden, that entrance into the Red Sea if you can imagine geographically, is one of the most strategic entrances of any sea in the world because it takes you all the way up to the, to uh, the, what do you call it? The, um, what's it called? The place in Egypt that had that major um, uh, shipping disaster. I forgot what it's called, but uh, uh, the Suez Canal. On, the Suez Canal. Canal. Yeah, I'm, trying, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm trying to remember what it is in English. Yeah, the <laughs> Suez Canal. Um, and so it is extremely strategic, but also in that time of the Silk Route and all of that route right. of trade, um, that's the entrance into Africa and to the Eastern Horn of Africa and all of that. So it was, right. it's always been a very, very strategically important location. So my parents came from there and my grandfather uh, was a pretty wealthy man, very influential in that regime. Um, and so when my parents came here there, they were actually a lot more open-minded than a lot of people here. Um, a lot of the, like would call Arabs in these days, um, with their views, with the way they were. I mean, I remember my parents having parties and, and drinking and having fun and all of that when I was a kid, That's actually my, my parents got, my parents got very religious, um, with time after time, they started getting more and more strict, um, but that's not how it started. That's not how, how I was brought up. But to answer your question, um, in the UAE in particular, um, the way the country was set up by the founding, by the by the founding father, they call him Sheikh Zayed, was of absolute acceptance of people. And so the rules and everything around that was um as such. You respect the culture. And in return, you're allowed certain freedoms, right. um, as in cross-cultural kind of understanding. So harmony. There were, yeah, huh? it, was, it was harmony. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Many, it many was, places it was, it was harmonious. In this tiny little remote village where I am in Spain right now, I'm in a tiny village that was established in 1228. Wow. And there is a Muslim and Jewish sector of the village that people still oh, wow. go about that history that before 1492 when everybody was expelled this community lived in harmony with with yeah, yeah. the catholic church was in the middle of the town and today there are only 700 people in this little village and yeah, well unfortunately the, the, 
That that was was it was it also ruled by um, by by Muslims probably at that um, time. Well, beforehand, yeah, yeah, in yeah. the time in the time of the Moors, but then you know, yeah. the Catholic uh, king and queen, um, you know, the era of the Inquisition where they were trying to to convert everyone to Catholicism, and if you didn't convert, you were tortured, murdered, or and expelled. And you can see the cultures that lived here in ancient times in the faces of the people today. Yes, yes. Uh, and you you know that their families converted under under brutal conditions and and by force, yeah. not out of, yeah, yeah. of a, a spiritual journey. You know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, look, Islam, um, is, Islam has a very um unfortunately uh, has had very bad rep but in reality when islam came at the beginning and 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 we had a a powerful kind of uh, existence let's call it that way um a lot of these places that you talk about and pro probably where you are right now um there was very peaceful coexistence and on the contrary actually it was very encouraged because for us um it is absolutely necessary to interact with other cultures so unlike many religions we were actually told that you should interact with other cultures and learn and and that's why islam at that time had all of this like incredible um uh, uh what do you well, i'm trying to find a word in english um like it gave so much to culture and science and humanity and stuff like that in that ages because, Darts. you know, people misconceive Islam with Arabs. And in reality, yes, it came from the Arab world. But in those days, there were the Persians, there were the right. Chinese, and there right. were the, uh, the, the kind of the Europeans and Africans and science was encouraged and, um, and, um, sharing knowledge was encouraged so um in those days it was uh it was prime and unfortunately what ended up happening later is what happens with all religions you know i'm sure christianity was the same when it started judaism oh, yeah. is the same when it started yeah. is that men kind of take it and twist it around to make it something that is um a, a tool to rule through fear and 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 you know part of me coming into this realization of joy and love and stuff was actually unlearning a lot of the stuff I learned uh, from my religion, the way I was taught it. Same with me. And rediscovering, That's yeah, rediscovering what it was really, what it, what it's really about, what its pure message is. Um, because we've been taught religion through fear and through, and through um, um, violence and hurt. And, you know, our teachers were allowed to hit us and they were allowed to, inflict some damage on us like really i had broken fingers from a teacher uh you know come back with slap marks and and yeah. stuff and 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 you know living learning your culture and your religion through those means thank god it, it doesn't happen anymore or at least i don't think so um can cause huge damage and it could make you have a very um skewed um perception of the world you know are you are you familiar with the science of epigenetics yes that's something that's comes up all the time in my conversations on the podcast and 
you know, the idea of, of our, our very genes and DNA carrying ancestral memory, uh, that includes trauma. And, you know, I, I grew up around violence, you know, perpetrated in my home even, and, um, you know, verbal and mental violence in school as well. And, um, and there was something, I don't know, somehow familiar about it. But until I started reading about uh, epigenetics, I didn't quite understand where that familiarity came from and its influence on the world. And my personal experience as a man and as a father, it's, it's so layered. Your generous sponsorship and individual support of the Lost Traveler podcast benefits the Lost Travelers Club, a charitable project under the fiscal sponsorship of United Charitable, a nonprofit 501c3 organization. The Lost Travelers Club focuses primarily on the needs of parents who have outlived their beloved children. We recently launched our new Brain Candy Project wing, providing art supplies to children still struggling with critical or terminal health-related conditions. We hope to raise enough funds to launch Brain Candy, an arts and literature magazine created by and for these young people. Find out more at www.braincandy.online. Thank you. Balance, pain mitigation, range of motion, athletic performance, focus, memory, immune system support, and REM level of sleep, all this and more made possible affordably with no pharmaceuticals, no injections, or invasive treatments. Just socks, insoles, and patches made stronger with the tactile patterning of Vox Life products scientifically proven to work and guaranteed. Now in the USA, Canada, and the UK, visit www.dianedinkmeyer.voxlife.com. That's Vox, V-O-X-X, life. You'll be glad you did. How do you, how do you, as a father, how old is your, is your, you have one? child four and four and a half five in may okay yeah, i have one daughter i i chose to have kids late so yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> i wanted to party <laughs> wanted to party you first. wild oats out you know <laughs> you gotta, i'm so thankful i'm so <laughs> yeah uh, yes yeah, so, some wisdom to impart on no i i i i i i totally understand where you're coming from and and it's this concept of kind of living consciously and a part of it is is something i talk about all the time and i'm really passionate about it as yeah. uh, conscious parenting because um i mean everything i do is all about living consciously because i believe that once you live consciously you're able to more and more make the unconscious conscious and when you live your life with that kind of methodology you start um understanding how much the stuff you're talking about actually affects your perception of the world 
right? Epigenetics, but the, the one thing that I really, really love talking about is also genealogy, because to me, epigenetics is something that is could be in your body, um, and it's something that, to a certain degree, you don't have control of, unless you believe that you can switch on and off your kind of DNA and switch these things on and off, depending on how you live your life. Um, but if you think about it from a genealogy perspective, which basically means just the stories that are passed down through the bloodlines, right? That's something you can actually do about it in my world because I'm a hypnotist and an NLP practitioner and timeline paradigm practitioner and, and so many other things. That's something I, yeah, that's, that's something I can actually grab and work with. And I love it because, you know, it matches with this narrative of the stories that people tell themselves. And at the end of the day, there's this constant story that's going on in the background or accumulation of stories that you kind of picked up from somebody. Mm -hmm. And now it's scientifically proven that from the age of zero till the age of seven, you're completely formed as a personality. Right. And your foundation is everything. It's like my grandmother used to say, parenting is like building a house. It's all about the foundation. Yeah, yeah. If you start yeah. with a weak foundation, that house is doomed to collapse in on itself. Absolutely. One or another. But Absolutely. if you start with a strong foundation, then the house could burn to the ground and you can build it up again. And you can yeah. always go back in and reinforce and fix. And it's very time consuming and very costly to do all that, yeah. but it is possible to reform your foundation. And I yes, think I am, I am expensive to anybody that's listening. It is, <laughs> exactly. it is costly to come fix your foundation with me. <laughs> <laughs> I take, I take all the money that I earn from doing that and I put it into charity. So yes. it's, you Good know, you. it's help, you. help yourself by helping other people and help other people yes. by helping yourself. Um, That's beautiful. But I, I think that it, it's, um, you know, it's important to to talk about the foundation years um, as parents. Uh, I, I feel very grateful that during my son's short life, sadly, I, I lost him to brain cancer when he was 13. And uh, I was a single father. He was my only child. So talk about a paradigm shift uh, yeah. and, and existential crisis uh yes. and, and rebuilding my foundation because when that identity that core of your identity when you are a parent is plucked out of the equation you're left with the feeling of well who am i now mm. if i'm no longer a parent you know i mean every choice you make from the role of toilet paper to the house you live in, the neighborhood you live in, uh, the groceries that you buy, you're thinking of your child first. That's the center of your world. And so, you know, to think about and to really in a measured and conscious way and intention uh, lay that foundation as strongly as possible. And that's hard to do because we don't get all the stories. I think it's more more prevalent in the East than it is in the West, where stories are passed down from generation to generation in a more complete way. But I think so many people are missing pieces. People who uh, whose ancestors were enslaved, for instance, you know, who were considered chattel, who were considered property, and there's no written history about 
the individual, just a number of their ancestors. They're they're you know they're yeah. given a number, not even a name. Um, that well, makes you know, it these, difficult. These, these stories, sorry, sorry to cut you there, but these stories don't have to be very significant kind of traditional cultural stories. It could be something passed down that's very simple due to the trauma. You know, like uh like in in the states i'll give you for example in the states when i went to the states when i was 16 i couldn't understand racism i couldn't you know not again in my days there was no internet there was there was nothing all listen when i went to the united states okay all i knew was mtv cribs and mtv like they had that one <laughs> show where everybody's partying on the beach i forgot what it was called in california even... somewhere or miami or something and i thought i'm going there like Amer i'm going to america Right. right. You know where I ended up going? Where? Toledo, Ohio. Toledo, Ohio. Yeah. In the in the early 90s. Okay. Wait. And when I when I and when I got up when I got there, just understand the kind of like I like to paint pictures. And so I'm gonna tell you when I arrived, I arrived at exactly Christmas Eve for some reason. Um, and when I arrived, there was a blizzard. And it was negative 40, negative 38 degrees or something like that. And the snow was literally traveling sideways. Like I had never seen snow. I'd never experienced cold more than like 12 degrees, God forbid, because everything yeah. freezes here, yeah. you know? And I'd, I'd never, I'd, I'd never experienced anything like that. And I was thinking I'm going to like MTV Cribs, right? So, right. so, so I ended up in Ohio and it was the first time I actually really get exposed to anything like racism like i couldn't understand because i told you we grew up here the demographics here is 90 percent expats from all over the world right and then 10 percent locals emiratis right from the united arab emirates and that demographic hasn't changed much it's the same since the last three or four four or five decades was right? it like since that in your compound as well Correct. yeah 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 it was the international yeah. community yeah, yeah. So in my school, I'll tell you, for example, in my high school, we had something like almost 50 nationalities, mm -hmm. probably six, seven different religions. Mm -hmm. And we didn't, we just grew up that way. It didn't, it didn't make a difference at all, at all. At all. Like literally sometimes we'd make fun of each other, or whatever, as kids, but right. it wasn't this deep rooted hate. It was just fun, you know? Yeah. Um, and um, and when I went to the States, it was the first time I was faced with this concept of, you know, black and white and brown. And yeah. and it, it took me, I had to kind of condition myself, teach myself, <laughs> literally, that in that part of the world, these people view each other as different, although they are brothers and sisters in a in a country and call themselves Americans, they're they're very not brothers and sisters. And it took me a very long time to understand. I used to have serious conversations with my with my friends in the dormitories and tell them, I just you have to explain it to me more. And they tell me the past and all the stuff that you're talking about that's passed on. Mm -hmm. And now when I reflect on it, I realize it's just the stories they've been told. So right. you know, you're told a story that, you know, black people are a certain way and it doesn't when you're a child it doesn't even need to be told to you as a story it could be walking down the alley in a supermarket and your mom grabs you a little bit closer 
and you're very intuitive when you're a child and you know danger mommy's looking at this person yeah and she's scared and therefore i need to be scared and it well, doesn't need to be even told as a as a as a, you know in audio a directly a direct teaching of of it yeah. it's, it's yeah. also so that's, in films and television the way that people yes. are depicted you know the roles that they're cast in who are the the writers and the directors even the producers you know who who is is creating the art that's influencing the culture and i think hollywood has a lot to be accountable for there there needs to be and i think it's starting a little bit a bit of a reckoning um I just, yeah. I, you know, I, I just started a, a, a chat show on YouTube called Classic Screenshots, where uh, a friend of mine and I um, go back into the past uh, early films of Hollywood, like through mm. like the 50s. And, and, and we sort of break it down in a very fun and light way, but we talk about some serious issues. Racism is a constant in our conversations and the way people were depicted, uh, whether they were, you know, Asian or Arab or Jew or black, you know, um, there was one film from the, the mid 1930s where the lead actors in the film, the, the, the story took place in China and all the supporting cast were Chinese. But the lead actors were white, European. Oh yeah, yeah. In, in Chinese makeup, you know. <laughs> I mean, what? But but then you look at it through the lens of, look how far we've come. We haven't gone far enough, but we have come a long way. And yeah. look yeah. in the past; these are like time capsules to see, yes. you know, the foundations not only of culture and all the isms but also mental health are yes. all informed in great ways by, by Hollywood. Um, yes. The foundation. So anyway, it just, it, it colors our story a little bit. Um, yeah. Think about stories, you know, where they come from and whose story are we telling and from whose perspective? Yes. Hey, are you like me, always looking for ways to make a positive impact in the world? Well, then join me in sponsoring Desire Child Care Organization. We are a legally incorporated, fully volunteer-based organization in Uganda, committed to providing essential needs, holistic arts-based education, and a safe family environment to 33 vulnerable children, ages 2 to 14. Your monthly sponsorship can help improve the lives of these kids toward a better future. Desire Childcare is different from any other charity I know because, well, we have zero administrative overhead. Every penny goes to the kids. And we have a plan toward self-sufficiency through agriculture. So support is temporary. It's kind of like a, a leg up. Visit DesireChildCare.org to learn more and get involved. Let's empower and inspire the Desire Kids together. Thanks. I mean, look, I, I, coming, just using that kind of direction and using it as a tool to kind of explain what I believe, right? I believe that 
and this is on a, on a spiritual so so what i do is very scientific but it also has a very spiritual kind of aspect to it and my journey is a very spiritual journey at the moment i've, I've i i feel like i kind of maxed out on the science <laughs> the yeah. part of things you know easy to do you can see beside <laughs> me this, behind me this is like one tenth of the library and i'm i'm <laughs> maxed out on the on the science or not maxed out but i've gotten to the point where i got what i need my fill for now um, to be able to do what I do on a daily basis. Yeah. But the spiritual side of things, is just never ending because the spiritual side of things makes you realize that as much as you think, you know, you end up realizing that you don't know anything, you know? <laughs> and, and, uh, and so from, from, from my, um, very humble way of explaining, um, my position with these things is that we, we are, uh, human beings are having a, a spiritual journey and that spiritual journey is part of a collective journey and it's and it's and and it has a, a a major big purpose and within every individual's journey there's a kind of a mini purpose within that purpose right and so we're all fulfilling a prophecy of some sort and if you really understand how that works, that philosophy works, then you will understand that there is a fix. There is a collective approach to healing that could heal the collective. And I guess in one way or the other, that's what we're all doing here. We all kind of, I feel like we we kind of created the, 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 as a human race, we created the shit we're living in. And now it's time to take out the brushes and kind of start cleaning up. And, you know, from from all the from all the current spiritual teachings that I receive from from different people that uh, I owe a lot to, um, what I understand is that we are on an upcycle at the moment of of consciousness and uh, and awareness. And I see that day to day. You know, every day I I talk to people, talk to people like you. Um, I don't know if I'm manifesting that just because of my journey, but at the same time, you know, the people that come to me um, for uh, help or guidance or whatever they need um, are very open to having this conversation all of a sudden. And I'm talking about people that are in like senior positions and leadership positions and stuff that once they walk in, you would have this preconceived notion of them not being open them being very rigid them being boxed in you're right absolutely yeah. um and um it's it's the the conversation is changing it's and and very quickly um and you and i think a lot of the things that we're seeing around the world right now is just a manifestation of of a big kind of like shakedown at the moment that stuff stuff needs to change we're seeing it with environments we're seeing it with uh, unfortunately environmental tragedies like in turkey and syria and stuff like that that's you know the earth is a is a living being it's not just a stupid rock we're living on you know it's it interacts with our collective consciousness as human beings and that's and the whole universe does in that way and people underestimate how powerful our position is as a human being as an individual human being with your thoughts with your emotions with your choices, with all of these things, vertebrate through the collective and 
causes shit to happen. Like yeah. you can't, you can't underestimate your purpose as an individual. People, you know, sometimes come to me feeling like they're so diminished in their power and so um, they undervalue themselves and, and they don't understand like how powerful you are as a human being. That's right. And I, I find my, my role mostly in the early days, I used to define my define my role as somebody that empowers people, right? And and it still is. I want to empower people to be to operate at their full capacity and understand that we are so much more than what we've been taught we are. Right. Um, yeah. Sorry, I just went off on a on a that's spiritual. Why, that's why we're here. Rampage. <laughs> oh, no, this is so important, you know, that, and you're right. And, and I don't, I don't know that we have the power to empower others, but we do have the power to give permission based on the wisdom that we've, you know, gleaned from our own individual journey. The power is in the individual and the choice that we make, you know, I see it as, I don't look at time and space as a horizontal continuum, but it's a pinpoint. And surrounding that pinpoint is an infinite peacock tail of possibility, right? And all you have to do is choose which direction you're going to go from your point in time and space right now to the next one. Nothing that has preceded this moment exists and nothing exists yet from this moment forward. I mean, it may when you get into quantum and into, you know, multiverses yeah. and all that, but just for the yeah. sake of the, the conversation, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. you know, we're each living in this pinpoint in time, your entire biography, my entire biography and the biographies, the biographies of every single ancestor back to the first ones have led to this moment, this conversation. It's brought our paths together in this conversation. There's great power in that. And we get Absolutely. to lead this conversation and choose which direction we're gonna go from here and what we're gonna do with that moment. And if we find ourselves in the point B that we arrive at in the next moment, it magically transforms into a point A again, surrounded by an infinite peacock tail of possibility. And if that point B doesn't feel good, if it doesn't feel safe, it doesn't feel happy, guess what? The only person who has the power to change the direction is you. I can't tell you what direction to go in, but what I can do is mirror to you what I'm receiving and say, this is what I'm hearing. This is what I'm seeing. Eat the fish and spit out the bones. Yes. You know, I like that. I'm going to take, I'm going to take that. It's the fish <laughs> about the bones. We're fish yeah. You know, it'll resonate. <laughs> you can't do anything with, but, but, you know, use, use the meat, but you get to choose, you know, sometimes yes. we do swallow a bone and it gets stuck in our throat. Right. Yeah. But we deal with it. We deal with all of those challenges with every challenge comes an opportunity. Doesn't it? Yes. And that's for every single one of the 8 billion people on the planet, no matter where you're from, no matter what your cultural history, your background, your religion, you know, 
that's what brings us together in unity. Unity is a very yes. powerful word for me right now. Yes. Yes, it should be to everyone. You know, when I when I speak about empowerment, I think we're we're absolutely on the same page. Um, there there's this concept that was explained to me once um which is the concept of cause and effect and how at a you know mathematical kind of physics calculation it can be it can be used at, at everything even in spirituality because in reality everything is cause and effect our creation was cause and effect and right. and i see human empowerment as that as empowering people to understand that most of the time when you are feeling a certain negative way about anything that you are in effect and not in cause which means that you are disempowering yourself by acting as a victim right so or choosing to act as a victim when you when and and that if you want to if you're the kind of person that wants to live in that story god bless you no judgment here right but if you actually want to live a good quality life and be a good citizen of the world of the collective and contribute and find your purpose and understand joy and where that comes from and 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 what it is and the definition of it for to you on a personal level, exactly. love, gratitude, gratefulness, all of these beautiful energies that we should be operating at if we want to be in cause, if we want to be empowered to be the owners of our own ship, the sailing our own ship, you know, not being led by winds and, 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 uh, and ebbs and flow, I guess that don't, the, and 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 use that as an excuse to not be the fullest version of ourselves okay. um and the best expression of our of our of our human existence and when you are in cause a beautiful thing happens is that very quickly you start realizing that everything in life is happening for you not to you as a victim right okay. and then your relationship with what is good unquote unquote and what is bad all of a sudden changes because the more and more you start living in that philosophy the more you start realizing that even the worst thing that could happen to you that you can imagine happening to you and you're probably somebody that can really speak to that can be your biggest teacher and it's it was it's there for you for a reason Oh, it's my measuring stick against every other challenge that comes across my path. If you can imagine the worst thing that's ever happened to you, right? And then you think, okay, well, what's the worst that can happen to me? Well, the worst that could happen to me has happened to me. Now what? Right? <laughs> and I survived it. Shadow and Light LLC was established by Dave Roberts and Reverend Patty Farino co-authors of When the Psychology Professor Met the Minister. Their mission is to empower individuals to transcend life challenges by integrating spiritual practices with psychology to achieve peace. They are available for individualized spiritual counseling, virtual or in-person presentations and workshops to universities, organizations, and other interested groups. 
virtual or in-person book club meetings. For further information, go to psychologyprofessorandminister.com. Right, I want to tell you a story. I, uh, in, about not, what, nine years ago, 2014, I was invited by the United Nations to go and develop a workshop in Fiji for mostly indigenous Fijians. Um, and it was a workshop in creative activism using folkloric theater as a vehicle toward positive change. Hmm. Okay. I was going to say no. <laughs> okay. Why? <laughs> so I, had, I, had I would, that, that that's one of the things where there's not even a thought for me. I'd be like, even, yes, and I'll think even. about everything later. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. They paid all my expenses, room and board, travel, everything else. Nothing in my pocket, but that doesn't ever matter to me. It's really about what can I share, and. I had no history knowledge of F Fiji or its indigenous people. And it wasn't only indigenous. There were Indo-Fijians, Chinese Fijians. It was a, a, a blend, but they were all Fijian. And they were 18 to 30 years old. And I, I arrived, you know, here's this, you know, big American dude coming in saying, all right, little brown people, here's how you do it the American way. No, that's not ever who I am. So I <laughs> have to sit down and receive from them any little bits of information that could inform me in a universal human way of how to guide them in this process. And I said, you know, tell me about your art. And they said, well, we love music, we love singing. And we've actually been thinking about uh, uh, creating a song because they were moving from the from a, a long line of, of military um, dictatorship, coup, coup after coup after coup, uh, into the first democratic elections and over a generation. And the, the youth were just sort of at a loss for how to meet that. And that was the basis for, for the workshop. And I said, uh, so are are you what's what's the song that you're writing? Well, there was a song in the 80s that we want to use. And so we're just sort of reconceiving the song. And and they played the song for me. They were all sitting around the table. And the song was We Are the Victims of Oppression. And did, 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 you know, it was a very heartfelt, you could hear the pain in the lyrics. And everybody was sitting around the table, their heads down slumped, you know, their posture was all and very, you know, sort of embracing their core in protection. And I said, stop the music. And I said that the, the word that keeps popping out in the song is victim. I said, what's the opposite of victim? Nobody could think of it. Yeah, hard. We sat there for, I don't know, five, eight minutes, total silence. They were pondering. You could hear the wheels starting to spin. And this one guy who was sitting next to me, huge, you know, big mountain of a, of a young man. He sort of rumbled something like, like thunder under his voice. And I said, would you say that a little bit louder? He said, Victor. I said, that's right. 
you're all victorious already. You have survived. You're here to tell the story. You're victorious, you've overcome, you've reached this moment where you're free and you're on the precipice of spreading your wings farther than you can imagine. Start there, change the tune, right? Because you've already survived, and this is for all my listeners around the world, your listeners around the world, you've survived 100% of every shit thing that life has put in your path, everything. <laughs> Yeah. You're already victorious. You've already survived it. Yay. Guess what? We get to go from here forward into another plane of existence. But you have to conceive it. You have to imagine it, given the tools that you've already got. Right? So we're here. I can't believe it's already been an hour. It's been an Let's hour. On. It's been an hour. I know. We got to come <laughs> back and do a part two, man. Sure, this is, I'd love to do that. Juicy. I'd love to do it. So good. Um, you know... One of the things, Arsalan, that I always ask um, each of my my guest co-hosts, uh, and again, I'm so grateful that you that you spent this hour with me. It's been me too. Thank you. Affirming, just reaffirming over and over again how important this is, the work that we're doing. Um, I ask for three three tools from your kit. We've got listeners right now in 39 countries around the world. And talking about the universal capacity that humans have for transformation of themselves, which will then transform the world. Um, give me three tools that are from your kit, either something that we've touched on, something that we haven't, that listeners can take and sort of play with and synthesize with the tools that they have in theirs. Lay your toolkit out and, and pick so 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 basically i've amongst a lot of the things i've created i created something called the ascension method yes. and um, yeah and that is a four-step program um but in reality it's if you really think about it it's three steps um for selling and marketing purposes it got repackaged to four steps but <laughs> i won't bore you with those details um but the 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 um, the the reasoning of it is this number one is when i started my own journey healing myself right taking ownership of of healing myself and being in cause like we said rather than being in effect body minded uh, yes yeah. i uh, i started by um healing myself through nutrition. So I became a, um, a nutrition health coach. And um, that was the time I was doing the Ironman. So um, I decided I'm going to be the guru of high performance, right? <laughs> and so I, I, I didn't do Ironman just to do Ironman. There were a lot of reasons for it. Uh, Yemen was just at the start of the war. I contacted Ironman and they said there hasn't been a Yemeni Ironman yet. So I'm the first Yemeni Ironman, actually. Um, and um, I used it as a tool to kind of communicate that. Um, but also, I just wanted to see what is the, to push the human, the, to, to, to how much a human can take, right? So I measured myself in all kinds of ways. I ate really well. I discovered 
stuff about my sleep. So I fixed my sleep and my recovery, got into meditation, fixed my relationships on the premise that I need to mitigate my chronic stress at all times to be able to operate at the highest levels at peak performance. So at the core of what I did at the beginning, I made myself kind of like an authority and a specialist in chronic stress. But throughout that journey, I developed something called the five pillars of life mastery, which became the seven pillars, which is now the 10 pillars, but it keeps growing as I grow. And through that journey, I burnt myself out. So so I chronically stressed myself out. And one thing that emerged out of this was, and, and it hit me, and the reason I'm giving you this background is for you to understand step one didn't happen as step one in my evolution Um, it is actually the 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 second step in my evolution so when i hit rock bottom after the last um uh iron man race i had to sit and understand if i had if i have been living my life quote unquote perfectly until this day eating right exercising right sleeping right loving right in my relationship all of that right in my own in my own dream world in my head right um why did i hit rock bottom and why am i feeling the way i'm feeling and what i realized to cut the story short is that this 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 the reason why i was doing it in the first place was coming from a very negative place which is this perfectionist um not loving myself, uh, measuring my self-worth through uh, achievements. And I realized, holy shit, I've been doing this to myself my whole life. From playing squash to school to university to government to corporate to all of these things that were massive ego kind of perspectives of life and never really feeling like I got the reward I was promised and all of that stuff, which is basically happiness. Why do we do all of that? At the end of the day, it's our skewed perspective of getting joy, right? right? And so step number one got birthed, which is that in order for you to create change in yourself, you need to first understand why you're doing things at an unconscious subconscious level. Because if you're somebody that tries to, is trying to lose weight, you're trying to be the best athlete, you're trying to be the best parent, whatever it is in your performance that you're trying to bring up, you first need to understand the underlying issues that are not allowing you to do that in the first place. Because listen, when we're it's not like 30 years ago where we didn't know how you're supposed to eat healthy or clean, or you didn't know how you're that when you parent, you're supposed to be parent from your own perspective and conscious parenting and all of that stuff. We all know that stuff. We're bombarded by it every day. And if we don't know it, a click of a button, you know, now we have chat GPT that's going to be able to tell you exactly what to do. Right. So, <laughs> so, so we have the tools uh, as humanity, we created the tools to do that, but What's mostly important is what are these unconscious, subconscious stories and programs that you've received as a child that are not allowing you to be the fullest expression of yourself? Because if you don't address that first, you're always going to go on this yo-yo effect of ups and downs and yeah. and 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 peaks and troughs of 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 joy and disaster and you know what I mean. So it's the foundation of the that. First, 
Yes, exactly. So yeah. it always goes back to that. So step one is to address that. Um, a, a simple way to do it is whenever you're feeling a certain negative emotion that is extremely heightened, you go back to the first thought and you say, okay, because the thought leads to an emotion and you say, what is that thought? What is that story that I, I, I've been told or I told myself, a lot of people say that, although it's not you telling yourself, but I told myself, what is that thought that led me to think in a, such a negative way? depressed, anxious, sad, triggered me. Yeah. that triggered me exactly. And then look at that trigger thought and examine it and, and see how you feel about it. Because most of the time you're going to look at it and you're going to be like, uh, I don't know if I relate to that anymore. If you're trying to actually change. For all of us, especially in these times, Life is a journey filled with challenges, but I am convinced that the keys to unlocking your full potential are already within you. That's why I started Guy Wire Life Skills Mentoring, with a foundation of elevating your universal life skills proficiency through patience and love, we can find your purpose and achieve your goals. As your mentor, I will guide and support you as we discover the power of inner awareness and love that already exists within you. I know the world is a fractured place. I believe we can simplify your journey towards self-actualization by recognizing the common threads that bind us all with a clear sense of purpose. With the stable support of a guide wire during your unstable times, you can develop the skills you need to stand strongly, solidly on your own with confidence and grace. I say that if your boat can float, it can also fly. So let's choose to fly. Visit guywire.org now to start your journey with me toward your purpose. Mm -hmm. And then you have choices to make. I chose to become a hypnotist and NLP practitioner and all of that, because I found ways to be able to reprogram that for people very quickly. Yeah. Some people are comfortable doing that. And I would really advise you to go see somebody that is going to be able to help you, if not be aware of it, also to reprogram it into something positive. Yeah. So that's step one in the Ascension method. Basically, people work with me to discover and reprogram all of their unconscious and subconscious kind of programs. And that's how we, we begin the evolution of, of growth. The next step is based on the now 10 pillars of life mastery, which has basically been worked backwards from chronic, from chronic stress. So what are the major 10 stressors in everybody's lives and how can we mitigate them after we've released all the subconscious programming that is stopping them from working on these things. So some of it is nutrition, relationships, spirituality, sleep and recovery. There are 10 of them. You can find them, find them on my website or you can share them if you want. Um, so then we actually, I advise everybody to kind of look at these 10 pillars. And then what I do is I give everybody an assessment out of 10. So you can do that yourself. You can look at every single pillar and give yourself a score out of 10. 
and then add it together and it will give you a percentage. If it is the, the lower the percentage, the more chronically stressed you are, which means the less joy you're having in your life. So for me, chronic stress and joy are in polar opposite um, of the scale. Yeah. Um, and that's just how I visualize it and see it. So in order for you to perform at the highest levels, you need to have joy in your life in, in everything. Because if you don't, then it's going to affect your performance as a whole. So this tool, the 10 Pillars of Life Mastery, will allow you very quickly to assess what are the things that you need to work on in your life. Most of the people that see me that are high performers usually are, you know, 15 out of 10 in career and a few other things, but then they're really um, ignoring or not consciously taking care of a lot of the things that they come complaining to me about, which is their relationships, you know, marriage, um, several marriages destroyed or the marriages that the marriage are in destroyed relationship with their kids is not really good. Um, health problems, uh, uh, sleep problems, insomnia, things like that, that are associated with chronic stress that are symptoms of chronic stress, uh, infertility, even that's really big right now in the world. All of that can be mitigated if you mitigate your chronic stress because chronic stress has been attributed to what 90, 95% of all mental and physical disorders as a root cause, yeah. right? And it's so, so prolific in the world right now, everywhere. Yes, yes. There, there was a number, I saw a number that came out out of the, I think it was the American Stress Academy or something like that. I'm sorry, don't quote me on that, but... Uh, I think the number I saw was something like between 80 and 90% of all humans on earth right now are chronically stressed yeah. just for the fact that we're living at the time we're living in, you know, because of nutrition, because of the environment, because of the weather, because of uh, the air quality, because of, you know, the, the news and stuff. Okay. That's like compiling on the, on the shit that we can't even control right now, you know, yeah. like the stuff we can't control, which is like the environment and the air quality and it's, soil quality and all of that stuff that you know we can't right now we can't control that and uh, and and we're already very chronically stressed as it is and then you take people that live in cities like dubai or huge cities like that and they're even more chronically stressed so you know it's a that tool the 10 pillars of life mastery can seriously save your life so i i i seriously encourage my listeners and your listeners to 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 look into it if you if you are feeling like you might be struggling with symptoms of chronic stress. I'll have the link in the description. Yeah. Um, so after that, you'll find it on the website. It's there. It's, the 10 pillars are there. Um, and, and then the step three of the program is actually the relinquish of control and going into the mode of surrender and flow. Yes. Because I find that us human beings have this issue of control and our issue of control comes from fear of the unknown. And if you fix your relationship with the unknown, then your life is going to be so much better. So much mystery. easier, so much Raise more joy. the mystery and the adventure of it all. Uh, surrender doesn't, surrender doesn't have to be, uh, surrender doesn't have to be giving up. Surrender is a giving in. 
It's like if you're, if you're going down a river, you know, and you hit white water and the, the going is really tough and you bounce out of the boat, right? Most people, their first instinct is to flail around and try and grab onto Swim, a rock yeah. or a branch yeah. or something, and they're going to get damaged or killed by doing yes. that. But if you just surrender to the river, to the force, to the, to the journey, to the however you want to imagine it, right? Surrender to the process. Let the river carry you. It will carry you around those boulders. You ever watch water flow down a river? It goes around the boulders. It doesn't hit them up against them and batter them. No, it goes yeah. around them. It flows. And if you just let yourself flow with the river, it's going to eventually lead you to calmer waters. Yes. That's what Bruce Lee says. Be water, my friend. Be water. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, that's, that's a very beautiful spiritual analogy of it, but if you want to be pragmatic, because I work with pragmatic people, they, they look at me when I say shit like that, they're like, uh, <laughs> uh, well, how, how, how am I going to use that? You know? So, so, um, if you want to be pragmatic about it, I, I try to, I try to imagine it this way. It, all these things that we spoke about that's happened to my life and your life, all these things that's happened to us, um, that at some point we would have thought is the worst thing that could have ever happened to you. Right repeatedly and you know life throws even more shit afterwards yeah. you know just to make you realize things right and in hindsight um we all look back at them and we think if you've gotten to that point in your life you think that was my biggest teacher That's that right. was the biggest lesson for me to expand and be the best version of myself so surrender is to actually understand that while you're li living your life to the point where the biggest lesson you've learned out of that is that everything is a lesson that's right and everything that's going to happen in the future good or bad quote unquote because i don't believe in the good or bad it's a whole other conversation <laughs> um you know yeah it is 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 a is a figment of your imagine imagination based on how you were programmed that's right so you start learning as you go as you as you move on in life if you just surrender to the fact that everything is happening for you and empower yourself that way, then your resilience is going to go up and you're not going to be somebody that falls into a victim state very often. Or if you do, which all of us do every once in a while, we, we, you're able to snap out it very quickly and come back into your, into your ascension. And that's why it's been called the ascension method is yeah. to help people as much as possible at the end of it to understand that to 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 operate at your peak performance you need to be in joy and to be in joy you need to mitigate all of the stuff that's stressing you out and by having a good strategy because you know high performers have to work you and me we own businesses we do stuff whatever yeah. we have to take care of ourselves we have to sleep right we have to eat right we have to we have to love right. We have to have good relationships. We have to have friendships. We have to have spiritual practices. We have to be pragmatic. All of that stuff is absolutely necessary for you to be in that one percentile. And what I'm hoping is that eventually the one percent becomes a hundred percent. Thank you. That's that's what I that's what I would love to see in my lifetime. And I don't think that that's that's something that's impossible. I think people work too hard at it, frankly. 
if you just recognize, as you said, that everything in the past and everything in the future only lives in your imagination. Absolutely. Then you have the capacity already because you were born to create from the age of three, two, three years old, you have the capacity to create whole worlds in your imagination, right? So start there, start with that self-empowerment, surrendering to that, that recognition yes. that all of your past, all of your future is only in your imagination. What's real is this moment that you're in and your potential. And grandma used to say, potential means nothing unless you're doing something with it. Yes, your right? choices and your actions. Exactly. Absolutely. Absolutely. So listen, brother, I could go on for hours with you. Yeah. It's been yeah. a real treat, a real pleasure. I am deeply grateful for your time, your wisdom, your energy, your love, your art, your family. And I am really excited to stay connected with you and Absolutely. Uh, find ways to keep this conversation going. We'll definitely come back for a part two. Um Listeners, I will I will put all of Arsalan's information down in the description so that you can link right to his website and find his 10 pillars and find his journey and be inspired the way that I am inspired today. Um, again, thank you so much for blessing me with your with thank your you heart. so much. I'm I'm I really am I'm very honored to meet you and I hope we can stay in touch and to the listeners this is an awesome podcast with beautiful energy so thank you um keep following thank you so much i really appreciate it thanks for having me do you hear the drums nope <laughs> there's a parade it's, it's carnival <laughs> in spain right now and there's a parade of drums <laughs> passing right by my door right now so well, i'm here at the universe <laughs> The universe is uh, sending you signals, bro. All the ancestors are <laughs> rejoicing right now at our at our new friendship. We'll talk again Excellent. soon. Thank you. Thank you, brother. Take care. You've been listening to Season 3 of the Lost Traveler Podcast with your host, Henry Cameron Allen. Visit me online at www.henryallen.org. Thank you to all my guests and thank you to my listeners all around the world. I couldn't do this without your support. Let's keep striving for a better world together.